Welcome to HIV Unmuted, the IAS International AIDS Society's podcast. I'm your host, Femi O.K. 40 years since AIDS was first reported, it's time to reflect on where we are. Consider how far we've come as we move towards an HIV cure and the hope that would provide. In 1981, AIDS was first recognized by doctors in Los Angeles. Just two years later, scientists discovered HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. But the rest of the 80s was marred by rising deaths worldwide and no cure in sight. The discovery of effective HIV treatment in the mid-1990s ushered in a new era of hope, but only if you could access and afford the expensive medications. However, an HIV cure, like the vaccine, proved elusive and still evades scientists today. I asked leading HIV scientists and IAS president-elect Sharon Lewin why HIV is so hard to cure. HIV is a tough virus to deal with. It's got some important tricks up its sleeve, which most powerful trick is that it becomes part of our own DNA. It gets inside certain cells and then it gets inside the DNA. So therefore the virus stays with you for the lifespan of that cell, which is very different to almost every other virus. So either you've got to chop it out somehow or get rid of the cell that it's infecting. And that's the big challenge. HIV treatment continues to improve. Today, it enables people to live long, full lives. Plus, thanks to the science of U equals U, people living with HIV on treatment cannot pass it on sexually. Yet, the discovery of an HIV cure remains as important as ever. It's very easy to think that HIV has gone away, that oh, it's no longer a big problem. It is still a major pandemic. People still die of HIV. There are you know, um, millions of new infections every year and it just changes the course of people's lives. And so a cure would be just transformative. For decades, there was no hope for a cure, but that's starting to change. Thanks to a small handful of people who have been cured of HIV, we now know a cure is scientifically possible. Yeah, you, you're right. There are people that have been cured. Um, and it's a small number. We sort of divide cure into people that are truly cured, meaning we can't find any intact virus in them. And then people that can keep their virus under control at very low levels and therefore don't need treatment. So we sort of distinguish between these two types of cure. Of the people with the true cures or absolutely no intact virus yet, those, those, those people are very rare. There's maybe five in the world. Three of those have happened after receiving a bone marrow transplant. So there are two types of cure and they're rare. We'll hear stories of both later. But first, let's dig deeper into why a cure is so important. For that, we travel to Uganda and go back to the 1990s. I'm called Moses Supercharger, living in Kampala, Uganda. In the 1990s, Moses was a well-known musician and radio DJ with many admirers. He had heard some of the myths surrounding HIV. My girlfriend warned me about sleeping with people's wives. That man can send you witchcraft, which can make you sick every day, make you thin. 
lose weight, so on and so forth. I could not listen. I continued misbehaving until 1994 when I began falling very sick. I was advised to go and take an HIV test, which came out positive and it really shook me so much. In 1994, drugs that were reaching the US and Europe were difficult to come by across the continent of Africa. At that time, HIV was considered as a death sentence. I thought I was going to live for like one, two to three years. I was alone and frightened at that time. For four years, Moses put off starting medical treatment. I did not start treatment until 1998. I resorted to witchcraft because we really have this problem of myth and misconceptions around HIV. But in 1998, he realized witchcraft was not the solution. So he began drug therapy, despite the extraordinary expense. When I started the real treatment in 1998, it worked very well. But remember, at that time, we had to buy the medications ourselves, and I couldn't afford buying it. So I resorted to taking tablets on and off. Skipping his tablets resulted in Moses developing HIV drug resistance, meaning his medication no longer worked. Around 2000, I developed what they call HIV drug resistance, simply because I was not taking my medications correctly and I didn't know. Moses was on death's door, so near to the end that his family began preparing for his funeral. Their major concern was that when I die, it will be very expensive for them to take my dead body to our ancestral home, which is around 150 miles away from Kampala, where we're living. So they decided that I should be taken by bus the following day, which was cheaper. Passengers on the bus soon complained about Moses vomiting. As a result, he and his family were kicked off and left on the side of the road. A kind stranger took pity and drove Moses home in the back of a pickup truck next to his coffin. I made the rest of the journey home in the back of the pickup next to my coffin and the items for my burial. It was terrible. As his family gathered, Moses clung to life for three days, long enough for his sister to arrive home from abroad. My lovely sister called Sarah was abroad at that time, but when she returned back to the village, she was like, no, it can't be, you can't give up on somebody. So she organized transport to take me to a specialist called Joint Clinical Research Center. My sister Sarah is the one that saved my life and I love her so much. Moses was put on a new drug regimen, saving his life. Today, he continues to take his medication religiously and on time. He honored his sister, Sarah, by giving his own daughter the same name. The story of Moses illustrates why a cure is so important. Taking HIV drugs daily as prescribed is not easy or possible for many. This can be because the drugs are too expensive, because of stigma, because of a lack of education about the risk of skipping medication, because of the side effects, or because a crisis like COVID-19 disrupts the supply chain. There are a multitude of reasons. A cure would end the need for ongoing treatment and change the lives of people living with HIV. The cure of HIV is so important to people living with HIV because we are denied to love and marry the people we want because of our status. We are denied opportunities. We are denied jobs. So we think when the cure comes, all that will change. Well, we don't have a cure that is accessible to all yet. At least two people have been cured with medical intervention. One is known to the world as the London patient. I am the London patient, the second man cured HIV. 
and I want to give a message of hope as ambassador of hope. Even if there's a regular guy who want to be successful in life and want to, you know, be like anybody else, want to work and, you know, have a family and have a good life. But Adam wasn't always so positive about his future. When I was diagnosed with HIV in 2003, I think for me, though, I tell many times before, it was like a death sentence to me because at the time of the notice, when you go HIV, you've been told you go 10 years maximum if you're lucky you go 20. Things have changed, obviously, but that's not what I have. I had a death sentence at that time. Less than a decade later, Adam would be rocked by another diagnosis. By the time 2011, 2012, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I cannot relieve all the emotions about having a death sentence again and to feel overpowered, away anxiety, fear, and stress. That was a very painful part to kind of relieve all of that emotions back again. And that was very challenging for me. Adam's last hope of cancer survival was a bone marrow transplant but he never could have foreseen what would come next. I was on a double-decker bus, a very iconic British uh, institution. Um, I'm going to see my doctor, one of my other doctors on that day. And I received a call from the transplant team, the hematology team, saying to me, I got great news for you. We found a match. Another exciting news for you. And I was just thinking, you know, what else you want to give me? And said, well, we think we can cure you HIV. And I was like, boom for me. Boom indeed. Imagine staring down death's door, only to be told that there was a chance not only to cure your cancer, but to be cured of HIV as well. I was in the bus and I started laughing. You know, I started just laughing to myself and wow. I say, I won the lottery. Because for me, my health, it was it worse than any money. For that moment, the London patient story began. One doctor has been a key part of Adam's story. Ravi Gupta led the research team responsible for Adam's transplant. I first met Adam uh, back in uh, 2015 uh, during the summer. And uh, the reason I'd met him is because I was working on cellular biology as well. I was working on HIV reservoirs and how HIV was able to infect cells and kind of the molecular mechanisms of some of that. And um, and so pe- people in the hospital knew, knew that I was working on these reservoirs. Adam uh, essentially uh, uh, had tried many different treatments to cure his lymphoma um, and, and it had all failed. And the doctors um, uh, at uh, Imperial College um, had arranged a transplant for him. The bone marrow transplant created an opportunity to cure Adam of HIV. To understand how, first let's take a look at a major discovery made in the 1990s. Remarkably, um, research in the, the 90s showed that there was a certain group of people who were completely immune to HIV. In, in other words, they couldn't be infected despite exposures. And these individuals were found to have um, uh, a defect in the protein that, uh, uh, in the CCR5 protein, in other words, it was a genetic defect affecting both inherited copies of that gene. And this was called Delta, 30, Delta um, 32 in the CCR5 gene. 
The hope was that if Adam could get a transplant from someone with this genetic mutation, then he would be cured of both cancer and HIV. This had been done only once before to Timothy Ray Brown, globally known as the Berlin patient. I got the transplant and uh, by the third month after that, um, I didn't have any detectable HIV in my blood. With Adam, we tried to do the same thing. We identified a donor who had this genetic defect. After medical and ethical clearances, Adam underwent the procedure, despite the dangers. The procedure that the Berlin patient uh, undertook, the transplant would have had a 30% mortality or something like that. In other words, three in 10 chance you die as a result of it. In the case of Adam's treatment, it was probably more like 10%, but you know, a one in 10 chance of dying is still pretty high stakes. Adam survived the transplant, but the recovery was a long, arduous process. Through my transplant and over my recovery, uh, it was very painful. Uh, it was kind of regained how to talk, how to walk, you start it from zero. It was very challenging, as I said before, um, very highly risky because you can die at any time. So you have to hang on there every day and think it's one more day. Adam fought every day to regain his strength. Today, years after the transplant, he is cured, but the effects of the transplant linger. I still struggle with some of the side effects of the transplant, and fatigue and you get complications time to time. You can get secondary cancers. So it's, a, it's not an easy road. People just think it just happened. So um, I still, it's a journey and I'm still on it. It's still ongoing. Adam's incredible journey has led him to speak around the world and let people know that even though his path to a cure can't be replicated for most, it opens up a door to finding a cure for all. I want people to hear my story, to give hope. It's important to give hope. I know a lot of people have said, well, it's just, it's not very feasible, it's not workable for many people. But I want to say to people, this is a door for a cure. This is the beginning. There are also others who are thought to be cured of HIV without risky medical procedures. They have naturally eliminated the virus from their bodies. Sharon Lewin recently co-authored a paper about this phenomenon. This woman had a period of being on antiviral therapy over the time of her pregnancy. But when she was off treatment and the doc, these researchers tried to find virus in billions of cells from her blood and they also actually looked inside the placenta because um, when she had her baby they managed to also store and analyse the placenta. And despite looking in billions and billions and billions of cells, um, they could not find an intact virus, which means a virus that had all the right components to it. They could find fragments of the virus but no intact virus. And she's not on treatment and she's got no detectable virus in her blood using standard assays for now many years. This woman is known as the Esperanza patient. She comes from a town called Esperanza, which means hope. So she thinks that her um, story, and I'm sure her story has given many people hope, but she's decided not to reveal her name at this point in time. These stories of a cure provide hope to people living with HIV and a path for scientists to follow. We divide our thinking around cure strategies in, in three areas. There's combination, what we call combination immunotherapy, which means a combination of interventions 
that get the virus as low as possible and also boost the immune system. And they're the approaches that have worked well in animal models. And there's many clinical trials now looking at combinations of, um, of uh, uh, either crushing down the virus to small levels or really enhancing the immune system with vaccines or antibodies or other drugs that modulate your immune system. The other two sit under the umbrella of gene therapy, which means using gene scissors or ways to edit or remove, say, the virus itself or the receptor that the virus uses. And there's two ways you can do that. You can do that outside the body. So you take cells, you modify those cells and you put them back in, or what we call ex vivo, outside the body, gene therapy or you can do it directly in the body or in vivo gene therapy where you can inject um, the gene scissors or inject the gene that you want the person to express. And that's another way that you can also enhance the immune system. The science is promising, but now there's effective treatment available for people living with HIV to lead long, healthy lives. Joni is often asked why an HIV cure still matters. I'd love to see HIV eliminated, non-stigmatised, and to give people a range of options um, once they get diagnosed, rather than here are some fantastic drugs, but you're on them for life. The drugs are great, and people living with HIV should not fear being on those drugs. They're life-saving, they stop transmission, they're very easy to take, but you're on those for life. Probably the biggest driver for why we need a cure is that to keep 37 million people on treatment, which is currently the number of people living with HIV, um, that probably costs about, estimated about $30 billion a year. And so that's a big cost for the system. 40 years ago, when AIDS was first discovered, there was hope for a cure. But as time went on, hope faded away. Yet scientific advances over the last decade have shown that a cure is possible. Adam, the London patient, looks forward to seeing the number of people cured of HIV continue to grow. I hope. My family grows and grows over the years, and we don't talk about HIV as a, an uncurable disease. I think I want a lot of people in my family. I open my, close my eyes and I see people and hundreds of people around me. Adam's cure was incredible, but it's not a cure for everyone. We still need a cure that is safe and can be accessed around the world. So when will that happen? Really hard to predict that when we're likely to have a cure. I, I think we're still decades away. I don't think we have a cure in the sense that people would like or, or you know, the average um, person on the street would, would, would define as a cure. We have been able to achieve pr proof of principle. So that's uh, one step in the right direction. And um, I think that we've, we're making small steps, um, but it's still a little way off. In Uganda, Moses Supercharger is now an advocate for an HIV cure. To the researchers all over the world, nobody believed that there would ever be a person cured of HIV. But when Timothy Brown was cured, everyone was shocked. We now have a proof of concept that a cure is possible. To all the researchers who are searching for the HIV cure, we are proud of you. Don't give up. Keep trying, keep trying. I know the cure will come one day. Here's a final thought. There are 37.7 million people living with HIV around the world. But stigma and lack of access to services keep many from even being tested. And of those who know their status, many simply don't get the medical care they need. For those who can access treatment 
drug therapy can be costly and too often stigmatizing. A cure for HIV would change the lives of people living with HIV forever. That's why it is so important to keep following the science. Stories like the Berlin, London and Esperanza patients show that there is hope. It is scientifically possible to cure HIV, but to achieve a scalable cure in our lifetime requires more than just hope. It requires political commitment, funding, community involvement, and us all to re-engage in the HIV response. Share your story and join the conversation online with the hashtag HIV Unmuted for a chance to win an IAS membership. This is HIV Unmuted. And like our title says, you can't keep us quiet. Subscribe to the IAS podcast, HIV Unmuted, wherever you get your podcasts.